This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That First of all, Gary, um, I, I want to ask you about um, the influence of your father. You, of course, go on to be a goalkeeper for Manchester United in England with lots of success, but your father, Roy, won the league title with Ipswich Town. He must have been a great influence for you growing up. Yeah, he was huge, huge influence because um, he was a manager of, of a football team in South Africa. When his days with Ipswich were finished, players, if they wanted to continue, either had to go to Australia or South Africa. Um, those were the only two real options, and Australia was a hell of a distance away. So um, they chose South Africa, and he continued to play and then manage. So I was able to go to the training regularly. I was able to, because I was the manager's son, even if I was sort of 12 or 13, they'd take a few shots at me. I was allowed in the, in the dressing room. And, um, and so it just helps you get a sense of, you know, of, of what it is like to be a professional, um, the excitement, the passion. And then as I started to play at a higher and higher level, he was then able to say to me, this is where you need to stand. This is where you, how do you need to use your hands, get your body behind the ball. And so my technique was, was pretty solid, uh, thanks to him. And in terms of your upbringing, you were born in England, but obviously raised in South Africa. Um, what, what was that experience like for you growing up? It was a great experience. I mean, you know, what's there not to like about growing up in the sunshine and uh, too young to understand the politics at the time. Although when I came back, obviously, um, I then played for Kaiser Chiefs, a black soccer team, and, and was a lot closer to the changes that took place. Um, but at the time, it was just a great country. Lots of, of um, Brits, Scots, English, Welsh all went out there to live and work in the mines. Um, the problem was coming to England to play football because, you know, I was used to spending my, my summers on the beach and, and lying out by the swimming pool, and I had a uh, sort of, uh, you say, upper middle class upbringing, you know, big house in South Africa, lots of, of domestic help in terms of maids. And so very spoiled, if you want to put it that way, private schools and all that. Um, and I had two years at university studying engineering. So it was a bit of an academic. And suddenly, um, um, you know, I was playing football for my university, but like you would do if you're in Ireland, you know, typical, you know, playing college and then suddenly coming across to the professional ranks. And so getting into the United team as a 20 year old, um, I had the skills, I just didn't have the, the preparation because um, even just playing in rain was new to me, but playing in you know, frozen pitches, which back in the day was, was done. I mean, it wasn't an issue. My very first game was against Bolton Wanderers. I think it was a place called Brandon Park or something uh, way back when. And um, you had to wear flats because it was frozen and it was as rock hard as a table. And I went running to get the ball and try to stop and ended up <laughs> going out the, out the park, basically, you know, over the line and into the crowd. And my teammates are saying, don't move, just stay in goals. And so, yeah, and also the humour and a lot of Scots back in there, great players from the 78 Scottish team that was, I think, one of the best ever. So Martin Buck and Gordon McQueen, Joe Jordan, uh, but hard guys, 
hard guys and they didn't take enemies. And if, you know, if you didn't fit in and didn't quite understand the way things were, you get hammered by them. So <laughs> psychologically, it was, a, it was really tough, the fact that I'd grown up in South Africa and not in, in Britain. Um, but I wouldn't have swapped it because it was you know, the outdoor life that I love. And I went back to South Africa afterwards because I couldn't, to be honest with you, I love Manchester, but I can't handle the weather. I don't know what it would have been like growing up in Scotland if Manchester was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can assure you it rains quite a lot. So you're glad you weren't up yeah. here. <laughs> Just just on um, going to United, you were into the club just as Alex Stepney, of course, a, a great European winning, uh, cup winning goalkeeper, um, retired and, and was, was exiting the club. D did you take it in your stride or did you feel any extra pressure from that? No, I mean, if you're going to replace uh, anyone, it's, they're going to have to be a top player, you know, whether it's Man United or Liverpool, whoever. You don't just, I mean, they have great players there. So however you get in, you're going to have to perform. Um, look, I'd already represented South Africa at 18, and I'd played two years for my university side, which was, I guess, the equivalent of an English second division side today, fourth tier, maybe even third tier. So I wasn't a total novice. I mean, I knew what I was doing, um, and I was a cocky South African kid in that sense. I was very confident of what I could do. Um, but it was tough. I mean, I, you know, I think Gordon McQueen and Martin Buckham were the centre-back pairing for Scotland in their 78 World Cup. And a year later, I'm telling them in no uncertain terms where to stand and what to do. And then they both turn and look at me and go, who the hell are you again? But as a goalkeeper, you have to. You've got to say, hey, you stand there. You stand there. If the ball comes in between, it's mine. I'm not debating this. Listen to me. And, you know, obviously with slightly stronger language. Um, and you have to perform, which for the first few years I did, I did reasonably well. And I think that that got me the respect in the locker room. You, you had three managers over your career at Manchester United. If we start, first of all, with Dave Sexton, you reached the FA Cup final um, under Dave. Obviously, the, the game against Arsenal was memorable for, for many reasons. How do you reflect on his time at the club and that final in particular? I, th I thought Dave was, I mean, he's a lovely guy. Uh, you know, may, may, may he rest in peace. A wonderful man, understood his football. Some would say the club was too big for him, and, and certainly it felt like at the times that, that he wasn't the sort of personality. I loved Ron. I thought Ron was wonderful. And when Ron came in, he embraced the pressure. I think Dave sort of didn't really like it, and it, it spread to the players a little bit. But, I mean, he was reasonably successful. Um, I think his final season was a bad one. It was the only time in my nine years that we finished outside the top four. I think we finished seventh. It was a really bad year. Um, but the, you know, getting to the FA Cup final, very unlucky in the end to lose that, of course, for me, it's not great memories. You, know, you come for a cross as a keeper. You've got to get it. And um, you, know, you can always look behind you and say, well, who was covering? But the bottom line is the moment you leave the line as a keeper, it's on you. So it's a tough one. But it, uh, it made me realise because I had such a, a blinding start to my career. And everyone was talking about me being the, you know, the next England goalkeeper when I was still 20. That brought me down to earth with a bump. And, uh, you know, there's some rough press, uh, people upset with you. And, and so you sort of take stock. And I came back the following season and we, we nearly won the league. We went into the final game of the season to play Leeds at Ellen Road, knowing that if we won Liverpool, lost, we'd be champions. And it didn't happen, but it was a good season. So um, possibly losing the cup final, as long as you go on to win, which we did, fortunately, in 83 and 85. Losing is not always a bad thing.
And in terms of um, 83 in particular, I was fortunate enough to speak to Ron recently and, and he talked about that replay saying, as soon as we finished the, the initial game against Brighton, I just knew we would win the, the following game. I just knew we would buck our ideas up and obviously it was a comprehensive win in the replay. I finally also spoke to Gordon Smith, obviously of Brighton, um, who could have mm-hmm. scored to, to, to win that cup final late on. Um, and he still regrets that to this day. What were those games like? Because the first game, as I say, very tight and manic, but the second game, United in complete control. Yeah, you know, cup finals are, are just like that, as you say. You just don't know what's going to happen. You can play teams way lower than you, which, I mean, I think we beat them twice in the league. They got relegated. They just weren't a, they weren't a good side. But, you know, credit to them, they got to a cup final. Um, but on the day... They took the lead. We clawed our way back. We got in the, in the lead. They got a goal from a corner. And then the last minute of extra time, Gordon gets through, Gordon Smith. And to be fair, he doesn't miss. I mean, people say Gordon missed. It annoys me when, when um, goalkeepers say penalties, for example. And the commentator will say, so-and-so missed the penalty. No, he didn't. The keeper saved it. The keeper goes the other way. They score. And it was the same with that. You come out at feet, you spread yourself, you watch the ball, it hits you, it spins loose, you're the first to get it. It's a decent save. It's not a brilliant save, but it's a decent, solid save. Um, you know, you've got to keep your eyes open, which is not always easy when you're going to 50-50. A lot of goalkeepers close their eyes, they don't see where the ball goes. So technically, technically it was a good save, um, but it wasn't a miss on his part. Now, could he have done better? Could he have chipped me the way Messi probably would have? Yeah, possibly, but... Back in those days, people weren't as good as Messi and they couldn't do what he does. Um, so I don't think you can criticise him. Just a, a tough break for him, as it was a tough break for me in 79, coming for a difficult cross that wasn't really mine. But, you know, at the end of the day, you'll take the, the hits. But um, I think the hardest part for Gordon was that was the only chance ever for Brighton to win anything then and probably still today. So, you know, I think for Brighton fans, every time they see him, obviously they bring it up. And in terms of the, the feeling of euphoria in 83, was it, was it even bigger for you, given the, the situation in 79? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And we lost the 83 League Cup against Liverpool in extra time and probably should have won that. So, you know, to eventually win it, it's just pure relief. And keep a clean sheet. And I made a couple of decent saves in the replay and we all played well and we absolutely thumped Brighton. So, um, yeah, I thought, I thought that was the springboard to great success. And I thought the team that Ron built deserved to win the league. We came close many times. Um, we had good runs in Europe. We had good runs in the FA Cup again in 85. So I think the frustrating part is we felt, we, I mean, we beat Liverpool in the Charity Shield. We felt that we were going to go all the way. And, and it, we just, whether it was injuries, whatever it was, we just fell short. And that was... I'm sure it was frustrating for Ron. It certainly was frustrating for all the players. In 85 against Everton, of course, everyone talks about Norman Whiteside and, and the goal he scores that day. You you keep a clean sheet at Wembley in the FA Cup final, which is which is something that, again, I, I, I guess you dreamed of as a kid. In terms of that team, I want to ask you about Paul McGrath and Kevin Moran. What were they like as, as, as a goalkeeper to have in front of you? Uh, both very good. Kevin Brave as a line. Uh, you know, would throw himself into every tackle. But Paul was the genius. Paul McGrath is the best defender I've ever played alongside. Um, I think Rio Ferdinand would be the best, more recent example. Uh, and I think, I think Varane, who's playing now, um, 
is a very similar to Paul McGrath and Rhea. I don't think we've seen the best of Varane yet at United, but similar player. Paul had this unbelievable pace, yet he was six foot two and a half. Um, and together, the two of them were just excellent. And that's why I felt, I felt we should win the league. We had Gordon Strack on the right-hand side, who was a really tricky winger. Um, Norman up front, Sparky, Mark Hughes, Frank Stapleton. It's just that we got a lot of injuries to key players. And I think the most key of all was Brian Robson. When Robbo was fit, we were virtually unbeatable, but he had a lot of injuries and we were forever sort of losing him from the team and we just couldn't replace him. Um, as, as, is, you know, as is the case, if, if teams missed Messi or Ronaldo back in the day, you'd also struggle. So I think that was the biggest reason. If we had a fit Robbo for four years, we'd have won the league probably four years in a row. But you know, it's all ifs and buts, who knows? And in terms of the, the 85 final itself, of course, and in 83, you've got the, the first final, which is a draw, the replay, which is comprehensive. But this one was cagey in the sense that it goes to extra time. How did that feel when you went into extra time? Were you thinking as a goalkeeper about penalties at all? Not really. I think it, w- it would have gone to a replay um, ah, so before penalty. I think so. But um, I think it was more a case of we lost Kevin Moran to that sending off when he brought down Peter Reid. And so with 20 minutes to go, we're down to 10 men against the league champions. Now, fortunately, they played midweek in Europe. So I think they were a little bit leg weary. Um, but I'm thinking, let's just get this, get this over and keep a clean sheet. And, you know, we go to the replay and then we'll have 11 men. And so I wasn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't thinking about winning. I was just thinking about keeping the clean sheet and, and seeing us into the replay. And of course, when, when I think it was Sparky and Mark, Mark Hughes knocked the ball out wide to Norman, I'm going, get in the corner, Norman, go in and play, play for time, you know? And he cuts inside and I'm like, Norman, don't, don't shoot. Don't. Oh, great goal, Norman, great goal. Um, and then it's six minutes of just defending and the ball was getting knocked in and they pushed up their center halves. And as a keeper, you're coming out and punching and catching and you're just hoping you don't make a wreck that's going to cost the team. And when that final whistle went, it was more relief, you know, that we'd, we'd won a game and we really were a very good cup side. We got to the semi-finals in, in Europe. And again, you think, okay, season 86, we kick on, we go win the league, which we looked like we would. We won the first 10 or 11 games of the season. Uh, I joined the England camp and Gary Lineker sat next to me and uh, uh, he said, wow, man, you guys are like 11 points clear of us. And uh, I said, yeah, well, a long way to go. He said, oh, long way to go. He said, you got it wrapped up. Next England camp in March, we were six points behind them. And I'm like, yeah, we had it wrapped up, really. And same thing, we had injuries. And yeah, you can come up with all the excuses. The bottom line is you've got to have a squad big enough. And that, if Ron was to look back, I thought Ron put together a fantastic squad or a fantastic team. What we, what we missed were quality players off the bench. And in terms... Uh, and in terms of um, Ron Atkinson, when he steps down and, and when he leaves, sorry, and Sir Alex Ferguson, or Alex Ferguson as he was at that time before the knighthood comes in, what was your reaction and what was his initial impact? Oh, I, I thought he was I thought he was absolutely brilliant, uh, Ron. Uh, um, sorry, I thought, um, so I've just lost my connection. Oh, there you are. I thought he was brilliant, Sir Alex, when he, when he arrived. I was injured. I came back from the World Cup, 86, injured. Um, so too was Robbo. And Norman, and I think you, they took the sort of spine of the team out and we struggled, really struggled. I think Paul McGrath might also have had an injury for a while. Um, 
so that, as I said, there wasn't the strength in, strength in depth to cover from us, and that was what undid Ron eventually. And so Alex, I just, I just loved him because he, he was good at everything to do with soccer. Ron was a showman and a, a good buyer of players, and, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't one of those who got into the tactics and all that so much. He would just say, go out and play, you're good enough. And, uh, Dave Sexton was all tactics, but didn't have the rest of it. So Alice could do any of it. He could motivate you. He understood who you were. He took time to know you. Um, he could talk tactics. He could talk motivation. He could throw the teacups when he had to. He could talk nicely to you. I just thought, absolutely brilliant. Um, and that's the way I felt about him all over the years. I only played for him five times because I was injured um, and would love to have played for him a lot more. But... And I'm, I'm, you know, these days he might not have made it because it took him years to, to get the success. Um, but what a genius, what a genius of a, of a manager to have all the ingredients and to give a big up to Scott's folk, it, tough as nails, you know, but tough and yet a hell of a nice guy. And that's a combination that very, very difficult to find. You know, in, in, my, in my experience, Managers would scream and shout at everyone and, and have the tough bravado or they'd be nice and talkative. Stalis could just switch it. He could throw the teacups and put his arm around you. And um, as I say, a genius, ab absolute genius of a manager. Um, and of course, as soon as he left United, it all fell apart, didn't it? Absolutely. The, the last two questions I've got for you, uh, first one being when you return to, to South Africa and you represent Kaiser Chiefs, uh, five trophies in two years, were you proud to go back to South Africa? And Not that you had anything to prove because you had a, 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 a top-level career at Manchester United and obviously had played for England, but were you proud to go back and, and win some trophies there? Yeah, I, I was. I was, um, I was very happy to win a league, a league championship at last with Chiefs. Um, and it was two wonderful years because, I mean, Chiefs is a big club. We had 80,000 in the stadium on many an occasion. Um, but it was also politically an interesting time. It was just as Mandela was being released and um, apartheid was very strong. So it was just weird. I'd play in front of 80,000 for Kaiser Chiefs and get back to what was still a white area that we were forced to live in. And no one would even know that I would played a game. So it really irritated the crap out of me. Uh, but I was delighted to sort of see all that change within a few years and, and, and Mandela um, come into power. And it was just an awesome, awesome time in South Africa. Um, and, you know, and great to go back to what was then my home and bring my skills back and, and, you know, effectively lead the team to five trophies out of six in the one year. I mean, it was just an incredible year. I probably should have played on longer, but my knees were cracking up and the money wasn't that good. And I just thought, ah, you know what? Let's 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 go out at the top. Let's go out with good memories. And um, but given my time again, I might have squeezed an extra year or two because once you give up, and it's, it's true of almost all the players, once you give up, you can't go back. And then you look back at those days and think, well, what could have been? What other trophies could I gone on to do with that team? You know, but but still, two two wonderful years. The last main question I've got for you is on your England career. Um, you've obviously got England caps, which again is something that not everyone can say. But I, I suppose you were unlucky in two senses. You were around when you had Shelton and Clemens, who incredible goalkeepers. And as you say, you had injury troubles just as you were getting opportunities as well. How do you reflect back in England as a whole? 
Yeah, it's very frustrating. I mean, there's a lot of players, especially goalkeepers, because you can't fit in anywhere else. You know, who was a goalkeeper who was behind Manuel Neuer for 10 years? You know, to Stegen's one of them. You know, how many, how many goalkeepers were behind um, any of the great goalkeepers? And you hardly ever get to hear of them. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my dad and I used to joke about it towards the end of my career. And he said, you know what? If I was Scottish, you could have played for Scotland and racked up 100 caps. Because at the time, Scotland had a fantastic team, but they, they struggled for a goalkeeper. Um, and I know Richard Goff grew up at the same area as me and played for the same team in South Africa. And Goffy went on to be a superstar player for, for Scotland. So we used to laugh and think, well, damn, if, you know, if I had a, some Scottish blood somewhere, that would have been a better option. <laughs> but it is what it is. And, and so I got two caps. I was in the squad for 10 years, nine years. It's not a great, you know, it's not a great number of caps. But as I say, it does happen to goalkeepers in particular that you can get stuck behind a great goalkeeper, and Shilton was, so was Clements. Shilton was just a phenomenal goalkeeper. And you never get a, a crack at it, and that's just the way it was. But uh, I, I focus more on the fact that I did get the caps, as you say, that, you know, ticked that box, went to a World Cup in 86, played for United nearly 400 times. So, you know, you look at it that way and you go, okay, that's not bad. You know, you can, you can live with it and move on and, and face other challenges in life. And that's been the case with me, television, commentary, uh, business, all sorts of other things, because life doesn't end with soccer. You've got to move on and and find new challenges, and that's what I was able to do. So, all in all, very happy with my football career. Very quick one, Gary. Just as you mentioned, eighty six. What was it like playing for Sir Bobby Robson? Uh, Sir Bobby was another another fantastic manager. Really, again, very similar to Sir Alex, and that that he just understood everything about the players individually and. He, just didn't, he didn't paint everyone with the same brush. He got time to know players and he was tactically very astute. Not quite as tough as Alex. He didn't throw the teacups around as much. Um, but a lovely man. Just, you know, again, just a pleasure to play for him. And um, as I say, wish I could have played many more games. Never had that chance. And, um, but you can always tell how good managers are when they, he went to Barcelona and to uh, Portugal and still was successful. So... And just that just you know, I was very lucky when you think about it. Two sirs, Sir, Sir Bobby Robson, Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, I must have played for two of the greatest managers of their era, alongside Brian Robson and Norman Whiteside, and legendary players as well. So, so yeah, very, very, I think very lucky in that sense. So we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will. I'll be open, they'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song. We'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make her home.